Thank you, Lord. I appreciate this opportunity that uh, Pastor Jack allows me to come up and share. Uh, I want to tell you a story. There was a couple in our harvesters organization, our, our older folks, a couple, and uh, been married 50 years, and it had been one heck of a, a marriage. They griped and argued all the time. It was just constant. And they both realized that they needed to do something to maybe save their marriage or do something about their marriage. So they came up with this idea they were going to go to Hawaii. They had always wanted to fly in a helicopter. That, and so they thought maybe doing that would save their marriage. So anyway, so they go to, they fly to Hawaii and they go to the helicopter company and they have a pre-flight, about an hour long pre-flight deal uh, that they have to, you know, learn what to do and everything. And all during the hour, they just argue and argue and fuss and talk back and forth. And the pilot's listening to all of this and he finally says, hey, you're paying $100 to go flying. I cannot do it if y'all are going to just continually talk and holler and scream at each other. And he said, because uh, it's $100. And anyway, he quit talking and they went back to just join at each other, just join at each other. And he said, okay, i tell you what I'm going to do. If y'all can get on this helicopter for a 45-minute flight and not say a word, I'll give you back your $100. No word. I don't want to hear a peep out of either one of you. So they go, okay. So they get in the helicopter and they go, 45 minute flight. 45 minutes, not a word. Not a peep, not a nothing. And the pilot, when they land, he turns around to the husband and he said, my goodness, I can't believe y'all did that. And the husband said, well, I started to say something when she fell out, but I didn't want to lose the $100. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I really thought that was funny. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. In, in, uh, in, uh, <laughs> in, in my life, there have been certain areas that uh, I drive to that I feel like God speaks to me. And people know that it was at the corner of Wilcrest and Westheimer at that stoplight. And for just for some reason, God would reveal something to me at that stop sign. And I would, it's not that bad, darling. And I would, uh, and I would, and I would sit, I would have to sit and pull over to the side and write down what God was telling me at Wilcrest and, and Westheimer. Well, we've moved. So I'm no longer driving down Wilcrest and Westheimer. So, but he does it other times. So this morning, I got up early at six o'clock. I'd like to go out on my patio because I can pray and I'm looking dead at the sun coming up and it's awesome. It's like God saying, I'm here, I'm here. And so anyway, I'm out there this morning and I've, I've, I've been preparing all week for today and I have my notes and I had everything. But what I do is, I wanna know what God wants to do this morning, not, not, not what I wanna do. I want, I want God to show up and show off. 
So as, as I'm praying and, and just looking at the sun come up and everything, and this came out of my mouth. God, this is mind boggling. Everything that God does, if it's not mind boggling, it's not God. And mind-boggling, and we all know what mind-boggling means. It means shocking, overwhelming, unbelievable, hard to comprehend. Folks, everything about everybody in this room this morning, something's happened that's been mind-boggling to you. It's mind-boggling that Jesus spoke to Lazarus and said, Lazarus, rise. That's mind-boggling. My brain, I can't understand that. But yet all the miracles in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, if you want to turn there, the Apostle Paul is talking about that he used to know Jesus in his mind. He had heard about, he didn't like Jesus at all, the old the old. Saul of Tarsus, Paul, he didn't like Jesus. And so he the scripture says, I used to know him after the flesh. I used to know Jesus with my understanding, with my comprehension. I knew about Jesus. But then he makes this statement. But I no longer know him after the flesh. I know him by the spirit of God. Now, Paul, we know, was knocked off his donkey on the way to Damascus. And he wanted to know, who knocked me off my donkey? And Jesus said, it's me, the one you're persecuting. And Paul, it had to blow his mind to know that he's talking to Jesus because he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? It's mind boggling. But if it's a God thing, it's going to be mind boggling. It's going to, to faith removes anything that's mind-boggling. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? If it's mind-boggling, God's doing something. And God's wanting us to use our faith so that it's no longer, it's mind-boggling to our, to our senses. But nothing is impossible to him that would believe. Nothing. Nothing's impossible. That's mind-boggling. That's, that's, I'm reading in, in the morning, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just uh, immersing myself in, in a book by John G. Lake, E.W. Kenyon, Smith Wigglesworth. I could chew nails when I come out in the morning, when they, when they, when they share the power of God, the love of God, the, the, the miracles, the miracles of people coming uh, into their healing services. And, and just, it's, it's mind boggling to look at someone that has been in a wheelchair since birth. Since birth. And to believe that Jesus said, my stripes have already healed him. 
Well, so what do I do? He said, well, you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Folks, that's mind-boggling. But faith diffuses it. And the man who's never walked before, he goes up and lays hands on him and says, in the name of Jesus, and that which was mind-boggling is no more. And we have all those, I mean, these are just, I think one of these raised 20 people from the dead. So when we see something as Christians that seems to be mind-boggling, it's our opportunity to show God is who he is. Because nothing is impossible to God. Amen. Nothing. But if we say, well, it's just mind-boggling, then, then we're still in our mind. My mind is saying, uh, uh, it can't be done. I had a situation early in my Christian walk where I was invited with a man to go and pray for someone. And this man was a, uh, he'd been a, a football player, college football player, and, and had played in the pros. Something happened to him, and he was now bedridden. He was a big man. He weighed about 280 pounds. He was a, a, yard, a large man, but he's confined to a bed. And so a, a, a friend who had also played football with him asked me to go over there and pray for him. Well, I'm young, and, and I got my bottle of oil, and all I knew to do was lay hands on the sick. Okay, that's what we're going to do. And so driving over there, this guy asked me, he said, what do you think we ought to do when we get there? I said, uh, pray for him. I said, I got some oil. He said, oh, no, we can't do that. I said, we can't? He said, no, we, you can't get his hopes up. We, 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 can't, we can't get his hopes up. That, that, and I mean, I, I wilted like a rose. I just said, well, okay. And so I said, so what are we going to do? He said, well, let's just, let's just go tell some jokes, some Aggie jokes. He was an Aggie. Let's just go tell some Aggie jokes and be in there and comfort him. And I, I, I fell to that. I, I just, so we did that. And uh, so we left there and the man was no different. Wow. I said, Lord, I don't want to ever have another opportunity like that. I said, Lord, please do not ever put me in the position where I'm going to go and just comfort someone. Folks, people don't need comfort today. They need healing in their bodies. They need deliverance from their sins. Amen. And just about the time when, when our mind gets boggled to a situation, I, maybe some people are here this morning and your mind is boggled with, with what you're going through right now. You, you, you know, your house is de destroyed. Uh, everything the storm has done, and our, um, our mind just gets boggled. Well, nothing's too uh, uh, difficult for God. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to God must believe that He is God and that He is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek His face. He's a rewarder with healing. He's a rewarder with finances. He's a rewarder with deliverance. But we've got to get out of our... Uh, I'm not moved by what I see. The, the Word of God says, lay hands on the sick. God, Lord, that's awesome. Yeah. 
That's awesome. It's mind-boggling to think I'm going to be doing the names of God, and uh, I'm excited about it. You're going to learn some stuff. Over 100 names for God and over 950 titles, titles ascribed to God. And the first thing that's awesome about God, how many wants to hear the first thing that's awesome about God? He's always been. I said he's self-existent. Wrap your little brain around that. He's always been. When did he start? He didn't have a beginning. He's he's all-sufficient. Do you know that the universe is still being created? That as we sit here today, what God started in Genesis 1, it's still going on. Mind-boggling. Why do we believe that? Because of Jesus. Here's something that's mind-boggling. God wanted to do something for you and I. We were in sin. Adam had committed high treason. Adam gave the keys to the devil. And the devil ruled the earth. And God said, I want to do something for mankind to put him back in the fellowship that I had with Adam and Eve. What is it going to take for man and me to once again have fellowship. And he looked around heaven for a sacrifice, for a perfect sacrifice. I've got to do something for their sinful nature. I have to have a way that mankind can live the life that Jesus came that we would live. And he said, and what's it going to take for that? And he said, Jesus. So Jesus came to the earth, born of a virgin. His blood was from God, not from mankind. The blood of a baby is from the father, not the mother. So we know that he, was, he didn't have an earthly father, so he is, God's his blood. Amen. And Jesus came for 30-something years and preached the good news. What's the good news? Well, you can have life and have it more abundantly. You don't have to be sick, poor, deprived, unwelcomed, unneeded, insufficient. He said, I came that you would have life and that life more abundantly. And so Jesus came and and, uh, he told the disciples, I mean, this was his plan that had to happen and it's mind-blowing and it was mind-blowing to the disciples when Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Jeremiah, you're a mighty prophet, oh, you're a great teacher. 
But some, some man had to say out of his mouth who Jesus was. And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Something that caused a reaction to happen. Because Jesus said, somebody has said it. It's been voiced into the atmosphere. Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. What you're doing is mind-blowing. Are you catching this? What you, what you just said is mind-blowing because everybody else thinks I'm, I'm like some man. But he said, flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And, a, and, a, and, and I'm going to change your name. And upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know what the church is going to be like at the end time? It's going to be glorious. Free from spot, free from wink, uh, wrinkle, holy and without blemish. And so Jesus, some man said, this is who I am. Uh, Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Woo, happily, I'm so glad somebody finally got a hold of this. And so he, he, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. You know, when you give someone of the keys, you're giving them, you're giving up the house. Amen? When you give them the keys to the kingdom. And then he says, now that you know this, this is what's going to happen. We're going to go in Jerusalem. I'm going to be beat, spit upon, my hair, my beard is going to be yanked out of my, my face. I'm going to be unrecognizable as a human being. I'm going to die, be crucified, but I'm going to raise the third day. Now, Peter, <laughs> Lord, that's mind boggling. That's confusing. Not on my watch. This isn't going to happen on my watch. And Jesus said, Peter, you savor the things of man and not the things of God. Amen? Amen. You know, where we are right now in the, in the world is we're praying. Everybody, is everybody praying? Amen. So God is up to something. God is, some, some people feel like, well, our, our prayers aren't being answered. The God I serve answers prayer. Now, it might not be like I'm thinking it should be answered, but God is faithful. And this is his church. And he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the gates of hell are not going to touch our church. It's not going to touch the church. We're the head, not the tail above and not beneath. You know why Mary Jean was taking the offering? You know why God wants you to prosper? So you don't have to rely on the government. God wants you to prosper to the extent that if your family or your friends need something, they don't have to run to the government to get it. They don't have to wait for a little bitty old stimulus check to get by next month. When you are prospering, and you're, like Mary Jean said, and when you're seeking God, and that's what we do. We don't want just money. We want money with a purpose. Lord, where do you, where do you want this to go? Who do you want to send this to? Amen? Does everybody understand that? We're not just trying to get a, a boatload of something. Uh, we want it, because there's people hurting. And the church ought to be taking care of them and not relying on the government. Because how many know the government's slow? God's quick. Yeah. 
God is right now. But anyway, all the things of God are mind, they're, they're, they're mind boggling, but when a man by faith, here's a good one, Noah. Noah, I'm gonna flood the earth and I want you to build a boat. And Noah says, what's a boat? What's, what's this? So, uh, told him to build a boat for he and his wife and his uh, children and their husbands and their wives, excuse me. He had to plant the trees to grow them to build the boat. 120 years. 120 years. That's mind-boggling. But when you've heard from God, and 120 years later, the floods came and we understand and we knew what happened. Amen. But a man didn't kneel because it was mind-boggling, confusing. Wow. And we know what happened. Abraham never had children. Sarah had never conceived. And God said, Abraham, you're going to be a daddy. I think it first came to him when he was 90 and Sarah was 80. You're going to have a baby. Is that not mind-boggling? How do you, you know, again, I like the definition. Shocking. <laughs> Mary Jean, you're going to have a baby. That's shocking. Overwhelming, unbelievable, hard to comprehend. See, without Jesus, everything is hard to comprehend. Abraham, you're going to have a baby. Lord, that's mind-boggling. But it says, Abraham believed God and was fully persuaded that what God had promised God was able to perform. Do you know that same spirit's in every one of us? When something is so mind-boggling, when God says something to you and it's so mind-boggling, we can, we, we, well, if Abraham did it, this is what I always believe. If one person did it, I can do it. If Abraham can believe God and it was a credit to him as righteousness and Abraham didn't stagger, at the promise of God, but was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was well able to do. Okay, Lord. Yes, it's mind boggling, but God said it in his word. God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Holly, God says you're the head, not the tail above and not beneath. God says he would provide all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God said that. Amen. I don't know how he's going to do it. It's mind-boggling. Your faith. Your faith removes the boggliness. <laughs> I sometimes make up words as I go along, so y'all just y'all stick with me. Isn't that awesome, though? And I caught myself this morning just saying, God, this is mind-boggling. 
boggling the goodness of God. The goodness of God. I'm 80 years old. I'm healthy as a horse. I play golf every week. I've got a beautiful wife. I live in a great place. I said, Lord, it's mind boggling because I did nothing. It's mind boggling to see the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. I'll go before you as a consuming fire. And, and, and uh, it's mind boggling to think, you know, Mark says, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll cast out demons. They'll cast out devils. You, get, you have a demon face to face with you and it's mind boggling. Your mind is running rapid with this demon-possessed person in front of you. But you know all you got to say? Jesus. That's mind-boggling. That's mind-boggling right there. What are you talking about, Pastor? Just say Jesus. They can't handle it. A demon cannot handle, because see, the demons know who Jesus is. The demons know that he was resurrected from the the dead. The demons know the power that's in the name of Jesus. And all you got to do is say, Jesus. I'm going to step right here for a second. Next week when we study the names of God, this is mind-blowing. This is it, okay? 100 names for God, 950 titles of God. God. He's given Jesus a name that's above every name. Every, mm, folks, that is just, and guess what? We have the right to use the name of Jesus. Listen to this. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had gone in chapter 3. They had gone to the gate beautiful to pray. And there was a man there, 38 years old, never walked. Everybody knows the story. And he was there, he was laid there every day so that when people going to church would throw some money at him, give him some alms. Every day. Never walked. Never walked. Peter and John came by and it says, he looked at them as if to receive something from them. What do you want? Money, honey. I want some, throw me some change, throw me some, give me some dollars. Peter, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up. That's mind boggling to two people. That was mind boggling to Peter and that's mind boggling to this guy. Excuse me, I've never walked I'm 38 years old. I ain't never walked in the name of Jesus. All that God did and said, every title, every name is in the name of Jesus. And all Peter had to say was in the name of almighty God and all who is and all that he ever did, get up. And it says that Peter reached down and the man reached up 
and he started leaping and jumping and praising God because of the name of Jesus. Now, this tore the church up. This tore the religious figures up. And we get to chapter 4, and they throw Peter and John in jail. They beat them, and they say, we cannot deny that what he has done has been miraculous. So they said, we're going to let you guys go. However, you can heal, you can cast out devils, you can do whatever you want to do. Listen to this. You can go and do whatever you want to do, just don't do it in the name of Jesus. Wow. There is power, power, wonder work in power in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. There is power, power, wonder work and power in the precious name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Another name given among men by which we must be saved. Saved. Here's something to wrap your brain around. First John God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. A mind that's boggled can't grasp that. Because there are people today that know they've been so bad they can't be forgiven. We, we all know people like that. But the worst of the worst of the worst, all they have to do is ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins. The worst of the worst of the worst. If you watch programs, I I love to watch police programs, 48 hours. I love to watch those, and and they're not good. I shouldn't be watching them. But but, uh, Mary Jean says, turn it off. But it's it's terrible. People, people, the way they treat other people. Life means absolutely nothing to these people. And they can kill someone for a pack of cigarettes or something like that. And uh, a lady, uh, her son was killed just senseless senseless that this, this, uh, these two men killed her son over drugs, trying to get some drugs, just shot him dead, just killed him dead. And they're on trial. They're on trial and they allow the mother to come and speak. And the, she was crying, of course, and telling about how she loved her son and how precious her son was to her. But then she said this, But young men, I want you to know that I forgive you. Wow. Wow, they broke down and cried. And one of them said, ma'am, I can't forgive myself. But he said, I thank you for forgiving me. It's awesome. It's, It's just, it's awesome to think that I get forgiven every day. Yeah. 
I, you know, I, I know my sins, folks. I, I know, I know my, what my sins are. I don't have a lifestyle of sin, but I have instances of sin. And I have to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me of my sins. That's mind-boggling to think that, oh, I like this too. Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth and he's got a crowd out there and he says the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Does everybody understand that? The unrighteous will never inherit the kingdom of heaven. And, and Paul goes to list all the reasons, all the things that are unrighteous. All the things that are unrighteous. He lists all of them. And, and I think there's 14 and, and I've said before that at one time I was probably nine of those. I was an unrighteous person. Before Jesus, I was an unrighteous person. And he's talking to this crowd and he says, uh, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this, and such were some of you. Jerry, Pete, Martha, you were some of these. Fidel, boy, I remember you, boy, you were some of these. That's what he's doing. And he said, and such were some of you. You're no longer Jerry. You're no longer Pete. You're no longer Fidel. And such were some of you because this is what happened. You've been washed. You've been washed. You've been washed. You've been baptized. You've gone under one way and come up a new way. You've been sanctified. You've been set, You've been set apart You've been sanctified. Say, I'm sanctified. I don't feel like I'm sanctified, but I'm telling you, you are sanctified. You have been set apart for the kingdom of God. And here's what I like. Wrap your brain around this. Come on, wrap your brain around this. Say, I'm gonna wrap my brain around this next statement. You've been justified, justified just as if it never happened. That's mind boggling. But by faith, come on now, but by faith, I receive that. I receive I've been washed. I receive that I'm set apart for the work of the Lord. I receive, I rece I'm not gonna let my mind captivate me and, and keep me in my past sins because God said, Jack, you're justified just as if it never happened. That's liberty. That's liberty. Man remembers, God does not remember. I, you know, I just, I like it all the time. I just like to, uh, uh, I never had a rap sheet, and don't hold your hand up if you did. <laughs> but on these programs I watch, they always pull up about a guy, and he, his rap sheet is, is this long his rap sheet, stealing, murder, 
stealing cars. This is his rap sheet. This is mind-boggling. Because of Jesus and because of the forgiveness of sin, God says, my past just got, and the word it's used, eradicated. Not just covered over. God cannot remember your past sins that he's forgiven you for. God, you remember? Remember what? Oh, you remember? Don't know what you're talking about. Now, sometimes your wife will remember, but. <laughs> Hallelujah. We serve, we serve an awesome God. How many sparrows can fall to the ground that God's not aware of it? And so how much more he loves us? How much more he cares about us? And for us, nothing should be mind-boggling. Except we just, what, when we see God do stuff. When we see God raise the dead, when we see him, see him heal someone, when we see that his word works, it's really mind-boggling to see, to pray for someone and say in the name of Jesus, rise and be healed, and to see that person rise and be healed. It's mind-boggling to see a person uh, demon-possessed, demon-possessed, eyes rolled back, stiff as a board, and to say, in the name of Jesus, devil, I cast you out in Jesus' name. It's mind-boggling. But faith, hallelujah, and to see that person healed and whole. Ah, oh, man. Thank you, Lord. It's mind-boggling to think, what is God going to do with us now? There's an all-out attack, I believe, on the church. Don't assemble. Don't sing. Don't preach. Separate. Don't assemble yourselves. All of these things are trying to destroy the church. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church because the church was formed because Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And that's why, why we're going over. That's why the church is going to be glorious in these latter days. It's going to be a glorious church. Amen. Why? Because Jesus Christ is Lord. And everything he does is mind-boggling. Amen. Amen. But the things in the world that are mind-boggling, your faith, your faith is your victory. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Nothing is impossible to him that would believe. Everybody say that. Nothing is impossible to him that would believe. In my situation, nothing is impossible. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. God will provide for me when no one else will. But God's going to provide. God is my healer, my deliverer. 
Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.